we're going to talk, talk about the church's membership covenant, which doesn't sound very sexy, uh, but it's incredibly significant and a lie, because we don't actually have one yet. We have a draft part of the draft one, and the membership covenant won't be accepted until it has to be accepted by the members, and that hasn't happened. So we're at the stage where the elders have thought it's worth having a membership covenant, and I've put a, a load of time into beginning to pe- uh, cobble together stuff. It's on its second draft or so. There's other bits that we haven't finished adding to it yet. But the basic essence of the thing we've got, um, I'm going to work it out a little bit more. Uh, so what I wanted us to do is it's highly valuable as going through it because a covenant is sim- simply a stated expression of what we want the relationship to be about. Okay? So give me an example of when else you get a covenant being made. Marriage. Okay? So you publicly stand in front of people and say, uh, well, you get asked to make a few vows, and then you, uh, and the vows, well, come on, what's in the marriage vows? What can you remember? Something about till death, till death do us part, something about John obeying his wife, um, something about, um, yeah, to have and to hold, yeah, okay? So how does, a, how does a covenant work? Well, a covenant, well, I'm going to want to talk through a little bit about our covenant and how it's going to work. First place on your notes there you can see a covenant and not a contract. Who here's got a mobile phone contract? Okay, this is how it works. You agree to pay a certain amount of money to a certain company on a certain day, and in return, they will give you certain goods and services. So for a mobile phone contract, we will give you this many minutes, this kind of phone, this number of texts, this amount of data downloads, and dum 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 dum. Okay? And the second that one of the two of you don't keep your end of the bargain, the contract, well, the, the sanctions are there. So if you don't pay on time, usually they will give you a supplementary bill, or they will cut you off, or both. Yeah? Oh, aren't they? Oh, there you go. So you know a bit more about contract law than I did. Or from the other end, if they, you've paid up a load of money and they haven't given you the number of minutes, the kind of phone, um, the number of texts and everything like that, you very quickly go, well, excuse me, I'm paying for it, you haven't delivered it, terminate the contract. You see that? That's different, different with a covenant. Because a covenant does have sanctions. There are implications of being unfaithful to a covenant. But with a contract, what happens is you are... Um, only expect it to be as faithful to your end as they are to theirs. But with a covenant, you're expected to be faithful, come what may, even if they are uh, faithful themselves. All right? So what does that mean? It means that I have got, when I enter into this covenant, I am making a commitment to you to say that whether or not you are this to me, I will before God be that to you. You see that? People talk about marriage being 50-50. They're wrong. Marriage isn't 50-50. Marriage is one person saying, I'll give 100% of my best, irrespective of whether they give anything, and the other person saying, I'll give 100%, 100%, uh, whether or not they've given it back or not. Do we see? Marriage isn't, well, you haven't kept your own there. Done. Okay? So this covenant, a membership covenant, is, is not something that we will pick up and use to whack on somebody else's head and say, well, I ain't going to love you in the name of Jesus because you haven't loved me in the name of Jesus. In fact, it's going to be quite the opposite. You haven't loved me in the name of Jesus, therefore I'm going to love you even more 
in the name of Jesus. You see that? So that's the way what we've got is a covenant, which means it's aspirational. We won't be surprised when we muck it up, but when we muck it up, what will happen is we'll come back and say, you're right. You know, that element of the, the covenant there, I just haven't been paying any attention to, and it's had a cost to people. And I just want to renounce that and say, together, how can we move forward and how can I grow in this? Okay? So what we're talking about here is a covenant, not a contract. Right, next thing. A covenant that wants to expect what the Bible expects. So what you're going to find when we look at this covenant document, which has got loads of different themes around it, what we've done is we've not sat down and uh, come up with an idea of uh, how can we make church work practically. What we've done is we've gone to the New Testament and we've tried to gather together all the teaching of the New Testament, the Bible, on how to do Christian community together. Do you see that? It doesn't say everything there is about what it means to be the, live the Christian life, because that's not what this covenant is about. There's lots more about living the Christian life that isn't in here. What is in here are the big key themes of the New Testament about what, uh, that, that is taught about what will happen when Christ is in the middle of a community about how we will think of that community, about how we will act towards that community, about how, what we should expect from that community. So we're not sit, setting a, what you know, Matthew called a lowest common denominator, something that's a very low bar that we can only just about, anybody could fall over it and be in. What we're saying is, we're holding this thing up and saying, the Bible expects that when Christ is at work amongst his people, his people have not arrived, but they're, in a di- going, they're traveling on direction. They're traveling on a direction of growth, where the Lord is helping them to grow in love for him and love for their neighbor. He's helping them to grow in commitment to the local church. He's helping them to grow in love acted out, love in action. Do we see that? So what this covenant does is when sometimes, if you don't pick it up and read it and go, oh, that bit threatens me a bit, I'll be really worried. Because what we're saying is, we're setting a vision saying that the Lord set, has really high expectations of what he will do in people's lives and in the community's life. So when you read it, there will be bits there that you think, oh, that's sort of um, tinkering with what I'm invested in a little bit or messing with me a bit. Why? Not because it's wrong, but because the Lord has got a direction of travel that he wants you to go on. So everything that is in here, we hope, is a balanced, even-handed reflection of what the New Testament expects, of what, of what God expects his people to be growing into. Do we see that? So it means it'll ask something of us, won't it? Now, right at the beginning, when we did Membership Matters 1, one of the things we started talking about is if you say yes to membership, it will by nature mean that you have to say no to other things. If you say yes to be part of a group, it'll mean that, well, that group will get the best of me. Okay? That's what happens when you go into a marriage covenant. When I say yes to Jane, I say no to Emma. No offence. Emma's wonderful. <laughs> okay. Do you, do you, there's, a, there's a giving yourself to it and saying, this is, this is going to take something of me. So we've seen that a covenant is not a contract, and a covenant, the one that we try to put together, is one that reflects what the Bible expects. So we want to expect what the Bible expects. Good. The next thing is, uh, this is a covenant that lets the world know who represents Jesus. And this is the reason why we do it. Because of these things being representative of what it means to live for Jesus and be his church, the reason we want to sign a covenant is to say, I have published...
publicly said that I want to hold to these values and I want to be a representative of Jesus on planet Earth. So one of the ways of thinking about this sometimes is that sometimes we think church is like a little bit of an add-on that we, we do if we're feeling keen about Jesus. No. In the New Testament, in the Bible, we find that Jesus calls together, like we say, he's called a flock, he's calling a people. And if you've got Jesus, you are called into that. And a way of thinking about it would be to say this, the church is not a voluntary organisation. It is a people called together by Christ for his glory. Do you see that? Now, I take it nobody's here because they've got a gun to their head. So it but don't think for a second that being a Christian is, a, is uh, merely something you can opt in and out of. Now, he's put a call on your life. The second that you don't um, take that call seriously is effectively you're denying that he's got that call on you, so your problem's with him, not with me. Okay, you see that? So what, what we're saying here, we're saying that we are called out bunch of people who are to represent Jesus in the world, and this covenant is our public way of saying, Amen. Now you'll notice that on a Sunday morning we invite anybody in, don't we? Come and hear the message of Jesus. And every Sunday there will be a a variety of people who are in the room, all of whom are welcome, but not all of whom can be members, because not all of them represent Jesus. So you've got people who for a long time, um, a long time ago the Lord called them, brought them into his kingdom, they've been baptised and they're members of the church and they're standing for Jesus and living for him. There are other people who perhaps came to faith, maybe even got baptised, but have never really committed to this local church and see it as sort of like a thing to maybe partly be a part of or just be there, but have not publicly said, look, this is where I'm standing for and representing Jesus. There are other people who are in there, and they're all very welcome, and they're, in the, they're at the point where they're making their mind up. They've heard something of the message, they want to find out a little bit more. Perhaps they're new in the faith and they're testing the water but they haven't publicly said, you know what, I represent Jesus. Then you've got people in the church who, to be honest with you, don't even know why they're there. They come along on a Sunday morning, and perhaps they've always gone to church, or perhaps they like the idea of Jesus. But when you push them and when you speak to them, it's apparent that he isn't the one who drives their decisions or fills their hope with joy. He's not really their Lord and Saviour, though they've got an affinity with him. And the times that that shows itself is when there's difficult decisions to make or when there's personal interests to pursue, and Jesus always ends up coming second best. And then they'll come along a little bit more, and they'll, they'll be really upset if they don't get known as being a believer, or being known as a Christian, or if you treat them as somebody who's not. And yet there's nothing in their life that, when push comes to shove, is, is shown that they represent him as king. Okay? So one of the reasons we have this covenant here is so that the world, and within the church, we can know who's standing for and representing Jesus. So of the last two of those groups of people that I just mentioned, those who were were just testing the water and finding out, and those who've been around and have heard quite a bit, but to be honest with you, there seems to be no spiritual vibrancy whatsoever, and Jesus gets second best, not best place, consistently. Those two groups of people, though they're very welcome to be around because we want them to hear about Jesus, they can't be members because they're not living and representing him. We want them to be in the future, but they can't be. And so what we're able to do in membership is say, these are the people who we think are standing living for Jesus. Not because of the quality of their life, because they're all scumbags, but because they're trying to live repentance and faith and see Jesus honoured. And when you go to them, when they've been fluffed, they've messed up, been rude, been nasty, been selfish, been greedy, whatever it is, they'll say, do you 
you know what? I've not lived up to God if I'm a king, but I want to. Please help me get back on. Turn away from my sin and I trust in you. You see that? So uh, this is the most valuable thing, because we, we have loads of volunteers who come in and help with stuff and church ministries, don't we? And some of them are just church goers, but they don't represent Jesus. Our membership covenant is going to help us say, do you do it? We're able to go to people who've been saying, well, I've come to church for ages, why can't I be a member? They usually tend to say it like that. They <laughs> think they're a bit frustrated. And we're able to go, okay, let's, let's get out of this covenant document and say, let's go through it. And let's talk about it and talk about you and your life. And let's see whether this represents you and, and, and you share the values of this. And if at the end they go through and they say, do you know what, that doesn't, but I've, I wanted to. Can you help? I'll say, yes. And other people, so some people, will, they'll, they'll read through it, get to the end, they'll go, yeah, I'll sign it. But did, does it mean something to you? No, not really. We can't sign it then. <laughs> you can't sign it. All right? So this will be part of us saying, who here is representing Jesus in Speed Baptist Church? By not signing this, I'm not saying you're not Christian. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is that We've got something that represents who Jesus is and what it means to live for him. And to be a member of this church, you've got to have publicly signed up to that. Okay? And lastly, uh, this is a covenant that is going to give, it's going to be something we can use regularly um, to help us reflect, repent, act in faith, and grow. Anybody like me who's forgetful? Anybody like me? who has far too many kids or far too many responsibilities in one place or another and just finds it very easy to put people other than myself on the back burner. Anybody who sometimes, anybody like me who sometimes doesn't want to be here on a Sunday morning. Anybody like me who finds people sometimes a little bit annoying and just a little bit treading on my toes. See, what I need is a document to remind me of what I want my life what I want my life to look like as a life of faith amongst a community of people as we serve Jesus on the way to heaven. Do we see? So this document will be something that we can refer back to. And the plan is, is that we'll, we'll have a membership Sunday once a year where we'll pull it out. And those of us who are members will stand up and it's up on the board and we'll all say it out together. And some of us, when we say it, we'll be doing really well spiritually and we're like, yes, this is real. And some of us will be going through a season where we're not doing so well. And it, if Steve hadn't put us on the spot, we wouldn't have sang because we don't feel like it. But then when we're in our right mind, we will. You see? Okay? So that's the point of this covenant document. Um, and I just wanted to give you a chance to ask some questions about that. Has anybody got a question about that? What did you say, Steve? If they sing it. Oh, sorry, say it. I meant, I meant say it. Sorry, say it. Uh, the reason that's possibly a Freudian slip, though, um, because uh, a, a church where one, two, three of us used to be, for the sake of the tape, John is passing out love hearts to the fellas in the room. Okay? And it, what it said on the one that went to, said to Andy, he gave a love heart that says, tease me. Okay? Uh, Anyway, what we're we saying, Andy and John, when they stopped teasing each other, would be able to at least, at least, Elaine, you didn't get given it, okay? Um, it, we we consider.
the possibility of putting the covenant together and turning it into a covenant song, because the church where John, Andy and myself used to be members, they had a covenant song that basically said it all, and they sang it as almost like a hymn. It's really, really good. So I might actually eventually get around to giving it to somebody who's quite good at poetry and saying, can you turn this into something poetic? Okay? Good. Good question. Okay?
we're saying here is an application of something that is biblical, and you say no to our suggested application, that's fine, but I will come back and say, well, tell me how you are going to obey this then. Because the one thing that's not fine is you to say, doesn't apply to me. All right? Yeah, I've just got a question here back to the question before. Uh, you know, I Brilliant, okay. You'll find no marriage covenants in the Bible. Not prescribed. Okay? Yet it seems in the wisdom of the church that for obvious reasons, the fact that the Lord is a covenant-making God, the fact that we see examples of covenants between people, friends, you know, David and um, Jonathan, okay, uh, the fact that the Lord, on one level, Jesus makes this covenant, the blood of the new covenant, the nature of how he likes to do relationship is let everybody know where they stand and celebrate it. Reflect it. Re- go back and refocus on it and re-celebrate it. Uh, so rather than me being able to pull out of it and go, there's no verse on membership and there's no verse on covenant, I think what we're trying to do is encapsulate a whole biblical way of thinking, which is enter into deep relationships and define them and clarify them clearly. So everybody knows where they stand, and we can live within them and uh, and thrive. Okay? That's probably the best answer I can give you.
first one, okay? Um, somebody uh, read the first one that's in bold for us, please. Don't mind who does it. What we what we corporately agreeing together? What what's 
what we say in there. We're a bunch of people who all agree that growing in Jesus is, is pretty much what our life is about. Okay? There may be loads of details and the context of how we grow, but what we're going to do is we're going to put a priority on that in growing in Jesus. So when I come around and knock on your door and visit as a pastor, or we bump into each other at a fellowship group or have a chat with you after being on Sunday morning, I say, you know, what are you spiritually encouraged about? What are you battling with? Or what bit of God's grace has, has helped you recently? Or what could I pray for? You're not surprised that I'm asking you that. And, you know, sometimes uh, we get caught unawares, don't we? Because sometimes we're very private people. But sometimes because, let's be honest, we go through a season where spiritually we've put Christ on the back burner and haven't been working to live for him. Other things have crowded in. And somebody comes and asks us that question, and it's, I really want the ground to swallow me up right now. Okay? But what we've got is a piece of paper saying, no, we, it's particularly at those times that I'm going to be glad that there's other people who are there helping me and reminding me to foster this relationship with Jesus. Okay? Right, so what I'd like to do, what I'd like to do now, just for five or ten minutes, I think these two are harder to do than the, the rest that come up, because the rest is a bit more practical. But what I'd ask you to do is, rounding your tables, okay, what are some outworkings? What will this mean? What will this mean about the way we interact? How will we do this together as a community? What here might we say yes to? What might we say no to? Uh, what will be the signs that this is something that, is, that I'm taking seriously? What will be the signs that this is something that has dropped off my radar? Okay? So work together. It's not, I don't think this is an easy thing to do, so don't worry if you're coming up a little bit blank. Um, but work together to see whether you can come up with suggestions as to what this will actually look like in the way we do church, or the way we interact, or what we're saying a good application of this. Okay. Just those two paragraphs for the moment. Is that okay? Yeah. In the meantime, what I'll do is I'll go and boil up the kettle. Uh, is there any awkward person who wants a coffee? Say no. Uh, okay, one big pot of tea coming up. Alright, we'll give you five minutes. Right, I'm recording again. Let's try and get some, um, let's try and get some feedback a little bit. Uh, I think these ones are very difficult, these are. Um, because they're very open-ended and they're very much focused on what we're about showing him off and growing in him. Um, but I'd, I'd be really interested to hear what you've come up with. Maybe we could have a shout-out for uh, the first one, one, one shout-out from each table. Would that work? Down this end, did you guys come up with anything for the first one? We will seek to glorify God as we rejoice in him, live out, sorry, rejoice in, live out, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and speak. By God's grace, we will turn away from any attitude, action or pursuit that denies his supreme worth or may bring his name into disrepute. Okay? So in the same we've tried to say what we will aspire to and what we will what is the, what we'll turn away from. Okay? Down this end, any suggestions?
Yeah. That's really helpful. So just for the sake of the tape, just uh, the fact that sometimes we might, when it comes to dishonouring the Lord's name, uh, sometimes people may tempt us and try to encourage us to make it a small thing. Uh, so that's one area that we want to try and be distinctive in, isn't it? Okay. Whether we put that into a be particularly cautious of this as we live and speak, I don't know. Maybe we could. Put that down the middle of this one. So there are public things that publicly 
actually bring disgrace. Do you see that? And so what we're saying is, if we sign up for this covenant, we're saying, we know that and we will, we will not be legalistic about it, but we will be on the, on the lookout for the devil's schemes. And if somebody, a brother or sister in the church comes along and says, you know, in that moment, Jesus really wasn't getting much, much, <laughs> much recognition or was being brought into disrepute, then we'll be on, on side saying, oh, all right, yeah, I, I don't know what it is, but I know I've got to repent. Please help me to grow through this and to put this right in a way that represents who Jesus is. Okay? Good. What about the second one? Should we start down at this end at this time? So the second one, we will each seek to maintain a joyful and close relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ through personal Bible reading, devoted prayer, and joyful spiritual disciplines. By God's grace, we will earnestly seek to grow in faith, hope, and love as we welcome the Spirit conforming us to our likeness of Christ. Okay? So this one's all about spiritual growth and a mindset to say that's what I'm about. I take responsibility for myself personally. So what might that look like? Any thoughts down this end of the table? Right, that's helpful, isn't it? Humility, you said humility to accept direction. Brilliant. Do you want to say a little bit more about that? Yeah. Or at least you take it on board, wouldn't you? You try it. It's hard, isn't it? When somebody's like, oh, it's really hard. I, don't know. Yeah. I can't stand it. But yeah, I'll slow down. So yeah, no, that's really helpful. And that will get reflected a little bit in one later on. But it could be that we need to sort of pull them together a bit. That's a really good and helpful thing. That's a practical thing that we're saying. We will, we will respond to people asking us about our spiritual life or helping us grow if there's issues they see. Good. Anything over on this table at all? Union and communion. It's 
really good that we get these two categories. The fact is, when we trust in Jesus Christ, what happens? We are adopted into his family. We're as glued together as we possibly can be. It is legal. It is spiritual. It is achieved by Jesus. And we belong. We're in relationship with him. And nothing can shatter that. That's union. Faith union with Christ. But then there's this issue of communion. Communion is actually the enjoyment of the relationship. And the fact is, is that our choices will influence how much we enjoy what, what, what we are locked into. that makes sense? So if I'm reading his word and ignoring it and just living as if um, I, I'm a law unto myself, I'm not going to be enjoying all the benefits of being a son and an heir of Jesus. So it's a little bit in my marriage. I have a legal, fixed, permanent relationship with my wife. But if I come in at the end of the day, go and shut myself in the lounge and play on the Xbox, not that I've got one, but play on that all day, have no time for her, never have any conversation with her, know the things that she doesn't like me to do, but just do them anyway. I'm going to have a marriage, but it ain't going to be much of one. Uh, and what I mean by that is I'm not going to enjoy all that my marriage could be. Do you see that? So the thrust of this one is us saying that it's recognising the call of Scripture that once we are in relationship with God, we live that out to its fullest. Okay? And the way that we do that, the means that he's appointed, is that same shepherd's voice being let loose in our life. So what we do is we hear his word, and we enjoy the relationship, and we speak to him in prayer. Um, and so that's what we, we're getting at here. And as that happens, by God's grace, and as we throw ourselves into that earnestly, we will grow in faith, we will grow in hope, we will grow in love, we'll grow in the relationship into which we're locked into. Okay? So this is, I suppose, a, a phrase and a section that, bam, this is what, this is what we, the Christian life looks like, belonging to Jesus and growing in that relationship. And that's going to be the normal thing. So, you know, you're able to come to me and say, Steve, what, what's encouraged you from God's word this week to help you to keep going with him? Or Steve, what attitudes of the old Steve keep popping back that you're having to cry out to the Lord for, for help with? You know, I'm not expecting you to give a wonderfully articulate answer, but my assumption is, is that if you're trying to grow in a relationship with Jesus, in the same way as you go come to me and say, so what have you and your missus been talking about and working through together this week? Well, how are we going to get enough time to be able to order this, do that, and get on the plane? Again? I'm going to tell you something about the dynamic of the relationship that's there. And in the same way, I expect you to say something of the dynamic of the relationship that you've got with the Lord and how are you going on with that? What's helping? What's hindering? Oh, I just feel a long way away from the Lord. And, you know, but you're going to be able to say something about it. Okay? So, let's be joyful for this whole first session of into a seminar on, on, on uh, spiritual growth in the Christian life. Okay, so I'm just conscious of that, but... Possibly, and we can play around with that. Uh, I think what we're saying here, though, is we're putting a, Because this is a covenant of, of what we're striving or seeking to do, what we're saying is that in response to Jesus' word to us to seek him, you know, seek me while I may be found, uh, knowing that he's the one who seeks to take the lost, from our end, and this is the divine human imperative, because those both things are true, what we say from our end is, we are 
standing up and saying that as part of being our church, we're a church that holds preciously to pursuing and pressing after Jesus.
tread on one another's toes enough, we will tinker with the things that we like and are happiest with. Uh, and some of those things may have to be laid down. And it might mean that we, and we will let each other down. How we deal with it will show whether we, well, who Christ is in our life. So, have a little look at those two and think to yourself, are there any practical outworkings for these things? What are the practical outworkings for these? What do we, what, what, how do we apply this? How do we do this? What will it look like in our context? Okay? Go and play around with that. Go. Who didn't get a cup of tea who wanted one? Emma, you wanted a cup of tea, didn't you? A spoon, yeah? You may have another one. Yeah. Just not the issue of the people who are going to be 
thing that I'm encouraged by about all this discussion is we're saying that we actually want we want meaningful relationship and, and contribution viewing that we're all precious in, uh, in part of the church. Come back to what John says. Can I really just strongly just say the obvious, um, which is uh, full church celebration on Sunday morning. Make that a mainstay. And if if you don't, I'll be honest with you, the elders want to know why. As simple as that. We've got fellowship groups as well where we meet together in in uh, small groups to share lives together, to open the scriptures, to pray. Um, that's a good fulfilment of this. And if you're not doing that, why? It could be that you have a legitimate reason, but you've got to find another way to do the same thing if you're not prepared to do that one. Um, and listen, I realise that for some of us, some of us find it easier, some of us find it harder being part of a group. Some of us have got better bad, bad, bad habits. But that's what you want to be doing. Um, the other thing that we've pushed quite hard, and we've actually had you doing through this process, so I know you can all do it, is carving out time to meet up one-to-one, one-to-three, relatively re- regularly, and developing and fostering really good gospel fe- uh, friendships. You need gospel friendships. It is not a negotiable. You're going to have a shallow Christian life unless there's people who know you well, who you've specifically given permission to be part and involved in your life, who are praying for you, who you trust, who when you're talking, just talking through life, you can just chat through and process it through the grid of who Jesus is. Now, I want to say really strongly, I say on behalf of the elders, we think those three things are the best way in our context to do what the Bible says about fellowship. Make sure you're regular on a Sunday, make sure you are regular at a fellowship group, and make sure you're regular uh, with a nurtured sort of one-to-one, one-to-three, small little group. Now, it could be that there are reasons that you're own that that is difficult. It could be that shift work is a problem, so being regular on a Sunday is difficult. Or it could be that shift problems hit the fellowship groups. Don't be standoffish and passive. You need to come to the elders and say, look, I really want to honour that thing because I know it's what Jesus wants me to do, but I've got this life circumstance and situation that makes it a little bit difficult. Could you help me to find something so that I am encouraging other people, so that I am being encouraged? You see? This isn't for... I know we have this idea that we've got to get all of church to shift to me. (laughs) It just can't be done. You know, you've got to make your job as a believer in the Lord Jesus to make it as easy as possible for everybody else and hope and pray that they're trying to do the same for you. And if we've got in that kind of environment, we'll get on all right, won't we? We'll get there in the end, you see? So what we've done is we've, we've put these big pegs in place. Sunday mornings, fellowship groups. I want to add to that the prayer meeting as well, but I realise that sort of four commitments through a week, that could be a bit demanding for some people. But you want to have some big, some... Um, sort of group size and some personal. Okay? That's what we want to encourage you to be doing. Good. What else have we come up with? Thank you. 
knocking on your door saying, come on. Well, I appreciate you saying all of that because you basically said in better words what I was going to say in just a second. So um, listen to John. Okay. It's really important, isn't it? Uh, we could talk about all the different ways in which people do tend to withdraw and why. They're almost, they're always rationalised and they're always selfish. Always. Because if we're saying right at the start, we're saying, this isn't just about me coming to feel like I'm being well welcomed, but I'm seeking to encourage other people. Their spiritual well-being is above my perception of what I need at that moment. That's quite a high calling, isn't it? Very high calling. Good. Did we have any other application coming out of either of those two at all? We spoke mainly about the first one, but have we got any application about uh, or thoughts that coming out of either of those two? Thinking about the second one particularly? Well, that's linked to a little bit of what John said then. we've been forgiven. That's right, that's absolutely spot on, isn't it? And sometimes we want to be honest enough to say, I'm really glad you talked about that, Jason, because you want to be honest enough to say that sometimes that's a process, isn't it? You know, if somebody really hurts me, I don't, I'm not proud of it, but sometimes I need to cool my jets a little bit more, and the Lord needs to put his finger on my bitterness and fix me a little bit. So we, but if I've got a long-term habit of, right, Forget them, I ain't ever sitting by them again. I'm going over that side and I'm going to sit over there on that side and watch their life go up in smoke. If that's our fixed state for a long time, then we know there's an issue that we need to deal with, don't we? Brilliant, thank you for bringing that up because it is hard, isn't it? It is hard. Good, well, anything else on that second one? I think for me personally, this document is really important and I'm not going to build up to it as well. Is that sense of unity? Um, I don't know about you, but the time I saw the year when I was sort of discouraged and you know, that season when it's not working, this will actually give me some reminder of a sense that, you know, um, I don't follow comedy. Yeah. I want to respond to other people's like, brothers and my sisters. I, I really can't afford to stop being involved in, 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 in many ways. I don't know for me, it's just. Yeah. to 
doesn't do it. And we don't resolve issues, we just sort of let them fizzle away or bubble under the surface, you see. So on both of those two, I think those two are really significant to um, the pushing through and, and teaching the kids. On the first one, I do think that first one is the big one about what you're going to say yes to and what you're going to say no to. So silly things like, uh, not silly things, but they're not insignificant, but uh, what I look forward to Sundays or Thursday nights or whatever nights, how I save energy for those times so that I can give my best of it. Okay? Uh, I, I do despair of people who stay out till 2, 3 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. You know, thankfully we've got wonderful freedom in Christ, but it immediately tells me that if you're out till 2, 3 o'clock on a Saturday morning, you're not going to be giving your best to, your people, to the people on Sunday. If, you, if you're rolling, you won't have prayed before you get there. Okay. Likewise, in terms of our job commitments, sometimes we've just got to pay the bills and it's difficult. But if we can try and cho- choose jobs that give us an availability through the week to be able to do community with people, that's, that's an important thing to make a choice for. About our holidays as well, when we take them. Uh, about, um, I don't spend as much time with my um, blood nuclear family because I spend more time with you. And that, that, that creates tension. Um, we don't go and stay at their house very often because we want to be back here for Sundays. And you say, oh, part of your job. Well, to be honest with you, I would have done that whether I was a full-time pastor or not. Because I think the gathering with people and my fat church family is of supreme importance. See that? So I try and make sure I'm as regular and reliable as possible. I'm just chucking out stuff. And I'm, not, I'm not imposing a decision upon you here. What I'm doing is I'm saying you need to at least think about it. Do your choices reveal the fact that you believe that the Lord knew what he was talking about when he said, really work hard, make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, i.e. work out your relationship, live out Jesus, put him in the middle, be intentional. It's not just a meeting that we attend, it's a life that we live. Do we see that? And suddenly you realize the bar's been lifted way beyond our ability to fulfill it. It's scary, isn't it? Yeah? Second, to exemplify true Christian community as we watch over one another in brotherly love, forgiving one another, admonishing one another, and bearing each other's burdens. By God's grace, we will humbly confess our own sin, be slow to take offence, and always ready for reconciliation. Have you noticed how it puts, puts the emphasis on it, us all the time, because that's what the Bible does. Forget the other person, their problems and their failures. Forget how much they've hurt you. Before the Lord, with his grace and in the strength he provides, be the person who's going to be the builder of community, not the breaker. Wouldn't that be amazing if Speak saw us doing that? Wow. Wow. Okay, brilliant. We've spent some time on that. Let's just look at these last two very quickly. Uh, We will seek to properly manage our God-given time, gifts, experiences, finances, and possessions for the building up of his kingdom purposes. By God's grace, we will contribute cheerfully, generously, and sacrificial to the expenses of the church and the advancement of the gospel to the world. Okay? So what's the big theme in that one? Giving of what? Not just that? Everything. How we leverage, how we... Everything that we are... Everything that by the Lord is providential giving us. Our gifts, our time, our energy, our opportunities, our tiredness, our everything... How do we say, how can I bend this towards the purpose of seeing people built up in Christ and his name glorified across the nations? With a particular emphasis that, that we don't do that as individuals, most 
do is we sort of centralise and pool who we are as people and what we've got as much as we can. We're not living in a commune, but there is a sense in which we will have a communal mentality to a degree. So what we put there, we put down time, gifts, experiences, finances and possessions. How am I going to bend those things to the use uh, of God's kingdom purposes? Which is the exact opposite of what the world tells us to do. What does the world tell us to do? Anything you've got, you've got because you, were, you deserve it, not because you were given it by grace. You've got it because you deserve it and bend it to fulfill your goals, your agenda and your priorities. Am I the only one in the room who really feels the pull of that every single day? I want to use my food, my food, my time, my money, my family, my house to make me feel good. Am I the only one? But I take it that the Lord is gradually pulling these things out of my head and saying, how can you... What have I given you that you can use to bless others and to build up? Okay. Some of it 
But all of it's from the Lord, and he expects some of, you, some of it to be given back for his purposes and the furthering of his, of his name. So the example that the Lord Jesus takes is who? A dear little, dear little old widow lady who's got two little mites, and she goes and chucks them out, and she gives all she has. Uh, it's a guard for your soul to give generously. Teach yourself that you, you dwell day by day, not by the strength of your own ability to find, uh, find and gather finances, but by the mercy of God. And it teaches your heart a lesson as well. Um, to, well, just to share in the joy and the burden of giving uh, at a cost to yourself makes you sense what Jesus has done for us. Okay? So, if you do not, I don't care what, how old you are, how young you are, whether you're unemployed, whether you're not unemployed, uh, so a share of our finances is supposed to be uh, given back because um, all of it's been given to us. Given back and used for the Lord's purposes. Okay? Uh, we do it privately, we do it generously, we do it sacrificially. Um, yeah, and that's all we need to say on that, isn't it? But the assumption is, is the church... Oh, that part of Nature of that twistedness and fallenness, isn't it? We are, um, I would like to. 
when we do good works, this side of eternity, whatever they may be, they will always have a shady and mixed set of motives. So when I serve somebody, I am doing it partly for the glory of Jesus, partly for the good of that person, and partly for my own smug self-righteousness. Listen, I'm a sinner. But if we start saying to ourselves, we will only try to do things for the Lord, um, if I feel really authentic in the moment, then we could be waiting an awful long time. Okay? There are occasions and seasons where I need to say to people, and sometimes I do as a pastor, I say to them, look, there's that good thing that you're doing, stop doing it. You need to know that you don't need to do it. You need to, yeah, you need to do it for the right reasons. But a wise pastor once said to a number of us, uh, he would say, there is an awful lot of spiritual safety in duty. When we talk about joy, it doesn't mean that joy doesn't necessarily mean I'm really excited about doing this. Joy is is deeper than that. It is broader than an emotion. Joy is a deep-seated confidence that Jesus is Lord and King, and it is with him in mind that I'm doing this. So, yeah, these are not legalistic things if... If we didn't do anything on here, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're not believed. It might be, it might be evidence that we're not. Um, but, but taking hold of these good things that we know are honouring of Jesus, whether we're feeling zippity doo or whether we're feeling, I don't want to do it, but I know Jesus is king. And I think I should want to do it, so I'm going to do it. <laughs> and sometimes, that's what it is, that's like going to church on a Sunday morning, it is sometimes, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you get the idea. So we want to strive for joy, um, but at the same time we want to be realistic that we've... <laughs> He's going to rewire us in the end. I said that carefully. We shouldn't talk about you when people feel like that. Because people feel guilty and that might be so simple because it's shared with a feeling like that. Yeah. It's an option to go anyway. Yeah. And the hope that people just accept them. Yeah, yeah. And no one say, oh, you shouldn't feel like that. Yeah. Well, they don't want to feel like that. And we can ne- we can never say that enough, can we?
church, make sure you're giving in, in, in keeping with what he's done. Make sure you're not, uh, your life is sending out the message that Jesus is supreme in you and not all the experiences or gear that you can buy. But the specifics of that, I don't get to tell you. You might ask me and say, Steve, what do you think about this? And I'll give you an honest biblical opinion and I'll ask you questions about how you're making your choice, but I don't get to tell you. Because that's stepping beyond my authority. That's what we fear. That's called heavy shepherding. And that's always going to kill sheep. Okay? So in this way here, what have we got? We will seek to honour the elders that uh, we have recognised amongst us as they fulfil the solemn task of teaching us the faith and keeping watch over our souls. Where do they get that authority from? Because the church have recognised that they are people who uh, are fellows who are particularly seeking to live out the scriptures, serve in accordance with the scriptures, and be faithful to the scriptures and help others grow in it. So what happens next? By God's grace, we will submit fully to the authority of the elders. No, we submit fully to the authority of scripture, whom the elders, we hope, are submitting to. Do you see that? As we guard against all false teachings, division, and, and immorality, those three are picked on purpose because they're massive themes in the New Testament. They're massive life stealers. They're the things that get the church off mission. They're the things, and you can imagine that there's false teaching when you, uh, that just gets people off mission and denies who Jesus is. Next one, division. All your time, energy is given over to dealing with people who are awkward, horrible, and, and quibbling over their own little, uh, climbing mountains over molehills, rather than picking up the Lord Jesus and pressing out with him. Immorality steals life away, breaks down relationships, and devalues all that God has done for us. Those are all things that rob us of joy in Jesus. So, so the church membership under the delegated responsibility of the elders will bring that scripture to bear to say we will not allow any room for those things in our church. Do we see? Those three things, incidentally, are the three things that Paul um, tells believers not to associate with other people for. There are three things. False teaching, immorality, um, and uh, uh, diversive attitude. Um, If people are saying, I'm a believer, but keep on going on doing that, you're going to challenge and talk to them, but if they keep on it, he's saying, it's okay for believers to be like that, then you don't have anything to do with them, he says. You come apart with the hope that they'll be restored, but you come apart. That's his strategy. Yeah? Cool. Okay, let's just wrap up here. God enabling me, I will strive to consider my... Uh, we've, we've got to tinker with this, this paragraph, but I hope you get the feel for it. God enabling me, I will strive to consider my commitment to this covenant community membership covenant, that doesn't make sense, on a yearly basis, but you get the idea. I understand that it is an evaluative tool as well as an affirmation of my continuing conviction and purpose. purpose. My responsibility will be to notify the church leaders if at any time I can no longer commit to this covenant or if I have any questions, comments, or concerns regarding Speed Baptist Church. You see? So it's, it's backing everything back to us as individuals and to what we bring to the deal, rather than saying, put unrealistic expectations on, that church is blah, 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 or nobody there did blah, 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 blah. <laughs> the Lord never treats us, allows us to get away with that. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm gonna, uh, we're going to ask you together to sign, and then we're going to pronounce the blessing on you. May the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, may the, sorry, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen. Okay? So what I want you to do right now is very quickly look down and decide which of the things have stood out for you the most 
that you personally want to grow in. You get it? No, no. And in, around your table, so highlight that, around your table, quickly tell everybody what it is, and then pray for each other. Can you do that? Yeah? You know what you're doing? Around your table, say, this is the one I want to grow in. I'm assuming nobody's arrived on any of them, but I'm assuming that as we've gone through this today, you'll have seen things that, I want to, that you want to grow in. For the glory of God, for the building up of the saints. So think through which one it is, highlight it, tell people, and then pray for each other. Is that all right? Lovely.